You're listening to Yale Radio WYBC. This is Brainerd Carey with the lives of the artists, architects, curators, and more. I'm talking with Claudia Pena Salinas. Claudia, thank you so much for talking with me today. Thank you for inviting me. Claudia, we're going to talk about your show um, at, at Bureau in, in New York, and um, it's part of a group show, and I, I want to talk about your work there because I, I just I really loved it. And, um, and so this, this show was called Throughline, which, which is an interesting title for a show. You know, it's always kind of, I read that as like, what's the through line between these works, or, or sometimes as artists, like what's the through line between this body of work? Uh, in, in terms of your work, how do you interpret that, that title? I mean, I'm just curious how that title may or may not relate to your work, Through Line, which is um, yeah, currently running through February 25th at, at Bureau. Mm, well, I think that I didn't really think about how it related specifically, but now that you're asking me, um, it could be that the way I work, which is gathering uh, the objects, kind of taking travels, and so there's always this, as you say, line of, of uh, travel or thought. Um, in the case of the sculpture that's at Bureau, uh, all the elements in there relate to the paintings. That um, There are three, three wax uh, paintings, and those objects, are then represented in three-dimensional form uh, in the sculpture. And uh, perhaps also the way I work, which is with brass and these structures that are, uh, as you could say, like drawing in space. Uh, so it's a lot of, uh, I guess, volume, but uh, a lot of seeing through. That makes sense. and. Let's talk about that because, right, there's both these um, these paintings, um, as, as, as you call them, these um, works that are on the wall that are then represented in three in, 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 in three dimensional form. That you call them um, wax paintings. Is that correct? Is this encaustic? The work yes. that's on the wall. Yes. I've, so let's I've talk about that. Of... Yeah, go on. You've always sort of what? I, I, I struggle. To you know, like define what they are. I mean, they are paintings, but they're also uh, the process itself is a, a printing process where I'm uh, dyeing the wax with you know color pigments, and then a photocopy goes on top of that, and then just by the um, friction of rubbing with a metal spoon or a wooden, you know, tool, um, and then with water removing the the paper, all you are left with is the toner. But there will be uh, signs of of distress, signs of uh, gestures, you know, because the way the image is being transferred is so, um, I guess, vigorous, and uh, and every time. If I was to use the same image, the result would be different because of those subtle, um, or at times not so subtle, um, you know, parts where the image did not transfer completely, or um, you can see, like I said, like uh, lines where I've, uh, you know, put a lot of pressure and 
in order to transfer that image. So they're so that's, that, that's a very monotype. physical process. That's that, that, that's that's almost oh they're they're monotypes. So so that's a, yes. that's a printmaking process as well as you're describing it, a kind of physical process, right? Yes, and I and I enjoy this idea of something that is uh, very mechanical. Um, you know, to start with uh, the photocopy goes through something so gestural and then, you know, becomes, uh, I guess, through this act of, of, of robbing, um, gets transferred in a different way. But it's sort of hidden. You wouldn't know, you know, I think at times people think that it's uh, maybe a, a process where I use solvent or, um, um, or maybe you know, put the panels through a machine, you know, like a sublimation or something, kind of printing. But no, it, it's, uh, it goes through um, to the hand, through the gesture. And I, okay. I think I, <laughs> I, um, I might, uh, you know, enjoy that because I come from a painting background. And so it's my, I guess, dark way of, of coming back to painting, um, but it's, like I said, hidden. Um, so, yeah. Yeah, that's such, a, such an interesting process. So let's talk about those images here. In, in the process that we're talking about, there's um, three images that, as you said, are, are also then in, in three dimensions in, in the sculpture that I've, I'm excited to talk about. But to go through these, um, El Castillo 4 is the first one that... Um, I wanted to discuss this, of course, looks very architectural. It's the process that we just talked about, toner and wax and, and, and wood uh, in this monoprint process. Um, but this is, you're also using a photograph. Is that correct? Um, and so just the content of this, yeah, it feels like a bil it is a building, um, an ancient one, but it's yeah. also kind of flipped and distorted, almost like an Escher, M.C. Escher kind of um, forever sort of mirrored image. Yes, the the images are coming from postcards. I often, you know, before I start a project, or I tend to work more in installation. What you saw in the in the show is just one one sculpture, and then these images relating. But um, often, you know, I'll be thinking about a whole exhibition with various pieces, and so I start with these postcards of. Uh, archaeological sites from Mexico, so a lot of pyramids, um, or um, also animals um, that are related to two water deities that I have been working with for maybe 10 years. And, uh, and so in, in this case, the postcard is uh, flipped. The image of the postcard is flipped, so you're looking at as if they were being reflected on water. And, uh, and then that El Castillo is a pyramid that's in uh, Chichen Itza, in, uh, about, I guess, two hours away from Cancun. It, it's probably one of the most visited archaeological sites in, in Mexico just because of its location. And that particular pyramid is um, called either El Castillo or Cupulcan, and Cupulcan would be uh, the Mayan version of the feather serpent, where the Aztecs we call it um, Quetzalcoatl, and it's uh, there is a postcard in the sculpture that shows 
a phenomena um, that happens during the equinox, which is to the two equinoxes, I guess. One is in March and the other one in September or October. And it's that um, the sun aligns uh, perfectly in a way that it casts shadows and it gives the appearance that a serpent is descending. Uh, there are two uh, big serpent heads at one of its ends. So that is, uh, like I said, it, it gets um, these shadows, um, you know, slowly, slowly. And so this is, you know, th- this pyramid was thought as or was built with this in mind that it would be in in line with the sun. Uh, I mean, there's no record that that's the case, but uh, it, it would be very strange to think that, that it was just a coincidence. Also, inside of the pyramid, there's another pyramid that uh, in maybe the 90s, up until the 90s, they let you go inside. And in there, you would find another chamber, and uh, there was, oh, there is still a jaguar, which you see in the other panel, and uh, also a chakmol, which is a reclining figure uh, that's famous, I don't know if you've seen, of a, a human form that is kind of leaning on its uh, elbows or so and always has uh, something in, in its uh, stomach that was used either for um, incense or other ritualistic uh, um, items. And so all is, is the sculpture is thought as, as the deconstructing that, right? Like I'm adding those elements, but the way I'm adding them in them are uh, through uh, finding them in, in tourist shops. So, they so let's are, talk a little bit about those, those, those two okay. pictures, the, the, the Chakmol, as you said, um, and, and also the, the Jaguar. The Chakmol, I mean, you're also bringing us inside the structure in a way, um, by showing us these things, and just what you've said is how you used to be allowed to go in there, but aren't now, and and now you can, and we would have seen the Chakmol. Um, I don't know how big that is inside the the sculpture in in real life. Um, yours is, I, I think, um, you know, about twenty by fifteen. But yeah, tell tell me about these because, as you said, that's a ritualistic object. The Chakmol has uh, yeah something on its stomach where there could be. Uh, something like incense or, as you said, something uh, ritualistic, food or something. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, why Why these two symbols? Or we could start with a chakmol because that's such an unusual one. It's not somebody meditating. It's somebody looking at the viewer or a figure looking at the viewer and um, and, and reclining as well. It's, it's such an unusual kind of um, pose. Yeah, the, the chakmol was first... Um found in, in the Yucatan area by a French archaeologist, uh, Le Ponchon, and he meant to take it out of Yucatan and I think to exhibit it in one of the World Fair, I think it was the one in Paris, and uh, this is the time when archaeology in Mexico is kind of just beginning, and uh, also, you know, like, can you really take all this uh, patrimony out and... Uh, Mexico was just beginning to to lay down some laws and um, 
but the state of Yucatan really got involved and they were able to to stop uh, the sculpture from from getting on a ship. And that's the one that you find now, um, one way of, one place you can see a version of it is in the Anthropology Museum of, of Mexico City. There are many of them. So after that uh, discovery of it in Yucatan, they were to find maybe, you know, another like 30, 40. Um, and they are all different. Um, they're symbols in some of them that are uh, linked to other deities. Like there is one in El Templo Mayor, which is an uh, archaeological site that's um, right in the center of Mexico City. That was, that was a site that was found when the um, train uh, was being was being some of the lines were being built in Mexico City. And so if you go there, you can see one, and it's in this temple that's uh, the temple of Tlaloc, the god of, of rain, of the uh, Mexica. And so that one has symbols that are associated with, um, with Tlaloc. And, you know, others will have symbols that are associated with, with more of the Mayan area. And so, um, but it, so far, the, you know, no one has been able to pinpoint exactly what the purpose um, or the beginning of this, you know, particular um, sculpture came from. And and the other sculpture um, that you did, um, kind of wax on wood panel, just like the one we're talking about, Chacmo, is um, the Jaguar. Jaguar Two, it's called in, in your title. This, of course, is a very a very different symbol. Um, uh, mm-hmm. Why 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 this symbol? I mean, I love it. It's also it's also <laughs> has a mirror image, um, but it looks ferocious. This this uh, has a, a very different feeling to it than mm-hmm. than the other one. Almost the opposite feeling. So that one, the the jaguar um, image, is coming from a postcard that shows the jaguar inside of that. Kukulkan or El Castillo Pyramid. So it's one that um, uh, it's thought as maybe having been a kind of seating uh, area for the ruler um, at that time. And so if the pyramid is uh, aligned with the sun and under there's water, it's thought as almost like an axis. You know, or like when you are um, communicating with the heavens, if you were to sit right on that, and it has—I um, think it was looted at one point, and that's why they also like started closing the, the access to it. But um, the eyes were um, like precious stones, and also throughout the body, there were other precious stones and. Uh, the the jaguar for the Mayans was also a symbol of of divinity. It was one of their gods, and so um, it carried a lot of power. Um, but specifically, what I'm doing is using the images of the uh, things that are inside the pyramid. So it's like you see the pyramid uh, panel, and then. You the two objects that would have been in there, the Chakmol, they are there, Chakmol and the, um, the Jaguar. Right, and now 
And then, of course, um, which was very exciting for me, there's your sculptural piece in the show. Um, I believe it's, it's Ahu Khan. Is, am I saying that correctly? Mm-hmm. This is um, brass and ceramic and wood and uh, has a beautiful sense of space because sometimes it's almost hard to read the space because the, there's, there's brass rods. You're creating this three-dimensional aspect. You've, you've recreated the, the jaguar and the chalk mole in there. And, um, but there's also other elements in there and threads. And, um, mm-hmm. you know, I, I, I love this. It, it feels, you know, like an, an element of, of the structure itself where, you know, the, the chalk mole and the jaguar were in. But it, it's also something quite different, right? We're looking at, at something sculptural in space that uh, has, a, has a completely different feeling. Of course, a, a very contemporary feeling, but it seems to me you're, you're marrying these two, and, and now we're looking at them with, in, in a very Western context with a different, um, yeah, a different, a different kind of um, way of seeing them altogether. Yeah, I think, um, you know, with this, this, this sculptural work, I'm always thinking about minimalism. Um, you know, I, I went to school um, in, in the United States, and so the work of minimalist artists was very uh, important to me. And so thinking about also Mesoamerican um you know, buildings or just um, the way things were constructed. It could be also like textiles or like the geometry that exists in in um, in these places. It's almost like it's talking to to the work of minimalist artists. Like there's an economy of form, and I really really gravitate towards that. Um, so, you know, what you're seeing is is a structure that. Um, like I said, it, it's in space, but it, it's generous. It doesn't take up a lot of space because of just the lines. So it's just like a line of space, and it lets you see through. Um, so it's not nothing monumental and occluding, but it's the opposite. Um, one thing that I also wanted to mention, that there is this, blue uh, color on everything. And that uh, came from my research that I was doing in Mexico in the fall. I was uh, trying to figure out how to make the blue Mayan because um, I, I found some old books where uh, it, it talked about a site in Mexico where um, there's this clay that gives this uh, binding property to the pigment, which is indigo. And so I went looking for it, and um, in the end, uh, what I ended up doing was buying the pigment from someone that had spent much, much, much time than I, than I had, and he had really figured out how to, to make the Blue Mayan. And uh, recently... Uh, like universities, uh, I think it was Cambridge, uh, did some studies on his blue, and they uh, they were were able to confirm that it is like the blue Mayan. And uh, there's a show right now at the 
Metropolitan Museum, and I was happy to see on one of the labels that it said, um, you know, mineral pigment, blue Mayan, uh, and it gave a little description that, that the pigment was uh, attained by, by um, of course, the indigo plus a clay. Um, and the clay you can only find in, in the area of Yucatan. Uh, which is where it first um, blue, blue uh, appeared in murals, uh, more specifically in the murals of Bonaparte, which is the closer to, to um, Belize. And, and again, like this blue is, uh, it will not fade. It, you know, those murals have been around for like 2,000 years or more, and it's still like vibrant. And some of the objects in the Metropolitan Museum still have this blue, and like, you know, thousands of years and there's that blue just like popping up. And um, so all the objects in the sculpture are uh, painted with that uh, pigment and also the thread is dyed with it. Oh, that's, so that's such a fascinating story, yeah, because that is a, that's a beautiful blue and as you're saying, it's this ancient and, and, uh, mm -hmm. and regionally very specific blue. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it is. Um, so I was very happy to, to have an opportunity to work with it. Um, I was prepared to to make my own Mayan blue, and then when I found that um, someone had had already, you know, done it, I'm like, well, <laughs> I'll just buy a little bottle of it, <laughs> a few bottles. Oh, <laughs> no, That's it's fantastic. not about me making it. <laughs> right, it's about the color itself. I mean, the the well, the and the yeah. origin of it. That's um. That's so fascinating. Claudia, I, I love talking to you about this, and I, I want to ask you one more question, which is a little off-topic, but what are you reading at the moment? Well, right now I'm preparing for a show, so I don't have a lot of time to, to, to read, but I do have audio um, that I, you know, listen as I'm weaving or, um, you know, going about some of these tasks which are very methodological and you know they're slow and um so i'm i'm listening to borges the complete stories uh, and i like that it's it's in spanish so um it, whenever i can i try to you know read books in spanish or as i just said listen to it but i'm also reading some other um strange you know, like more like research. So I'm not, it's not a novel, but it's uh, whenever I go to Mexico, I go to the um, bookstores that are like old bookstores along uh, El Centro in a street called Don Celes. And I picked up two books this time that I'm really excited about. One is um, The Chuck Morris, and it's, um, and, and this book is, you know, it's written by a, by a doctor, so a lot of like self-appointed archaeologists and anthropologists, and so he published this in like 1980. And his thesis is that the Chakmol might be a god of wine, and that he might be, um, you know, like sort of like the equivalent of Dionysus, the Greek Dionysus, or the Baco, Roman Baco. And then I have another book that's uh, about the geometry of the Maya. And this is more related to the to the sculpture that's in the Euro uh, exhibition, and it is uh, it's about the the Mayans perhaps were um, using the pattern of a rattlesnake 
which is what the, the title of the, of the piece is, Awakan means rattlesnake, and that a lot of uh, the geometry in, in their buildings is based on this, uh, which would be kind of like square and Columbus pattern um, of that you see in the back of a, of a rattlesnake that's only found in, in Yucatan also. So that's, you know, kind of keeping me uh, interested. These two books and well, that, my stories. <laughs> Oh, that, sounds, that sounds fascinating. Well, I wish you well on, on the show you're preparing for. And, and for listeners, of course, um, if they're listening to this before February 25th, they can go see the show at Bureau in New York City. Uh, Claudia, I want to thank you so much for talking with me today. It's really been a pleasure. Thank you so much. You're listening to Yale Radio WYBC. This is Brainerd Carey with the lives of the artists, architects, curators, and more.